It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. And basketball time to go. Love picks up Curry. The shoot around. Welcome back to the club, everybody. The preseason is over, which means the regular season is just about to start, and we couldn't be more excited. Speaking of that, we've been adding a lot of new content lately. During the season, we will be looking to connect with our fans more often, so please make sure to check out our Spotify polls and leave us voicemails through Anchor. We can't wait to connect with you all, and we might even feature some of your questions on the pod. So please make sure to like and subscribe to stay connected. Now, let's get into our final questions and thoughts going into the regular season. Mobley and Akuro were given boosts to their salaries with the Cavs exercising their 23-24 rookie scale options. The team also waived five players, Diakite, Cooper, Hinton, Pickett, and RJ Nemhard. Sorry, RJ. Thoughts about these events? I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with apologizing to Nemhard. He worked extremely hard in the summer league, playing in the preseason games. You kind of hope that he gets the chance to stay on the team for a little bit longer, especially because he was potentially a two-way spot during the season, and now that's not even happening. So I would say that that's probably one of my larger takeaways is that he's not going to get a chance to contribute to the Cavs this season, which is a bummer because I know that he was even on the the team last year for a little while. So that would be my initial takeaway. Yeah, it's always a bummer when a prospect that, you know, obviously he wasn't some touted player coming out of college and some name that we had thought, oh yeah, he's definitely going to be the next starting five option for this team. But he did seem like a serviceable bench option for the Cavs in the last year. What he was able to provide in those four or five minutes that he averaged, I liked what I saw. And it always seemed like the team supported him when he was out on the court. It didn't seem like he was outside of the team chemistry that we always talk about is so important that they've been able to build. So you just wonder about that. When a guy like Nemhard has to go, it's a holdover it's a piece from last season that you would think is a sign I guess that the Cavs are comfortable with the pieces that they've brought in and now they don't need a Nemhard for those garbage minutes and now they're interested in finding a different type of two-way player that they don't need him to fill that type of position anymore so it's just a sign of what they've been able to achieve over the offseason and how they've been able to shore up some of the deficiencies in the one and two position. The only other thing I would add, and feel free to to hop on this as well, is I know that Diakite had a lot of love on Cavs Twitter. Folks were thinking that he would get that last roster spot. But I also know that the Cavs, the last few seasons, have always tried to keep one roster spot open for flexibility or injury issues. 
So that was also kind of a bummer because pretty special in some of those games in the preseason. The team finished one and three in the preseason, which wasn't ideal. One thing is definite, though. The starting three spot is between Okoro and Levert, who will get more starts this season. All right, between these two players, I'm going to hedge and say Okoro is going to get more starts, mainly because of stuff we've discussed on this pod kind of countless times ever since Levert joined the team, which is essentially... When comparing these two players, Okoro is a better defensive player. Levert is still a good offensive player, and he is further along than Okoro is in his production offensively. At the same time, you and I have been following this team for a long while. We know that JB is a defensive-minded coach. We know that he enjoys implementing a defense that's going to shut down the other team. He has that in spades compared to his offensive strengths. So that's why I feel like that Okoro is just going to get more starts because he knows what he's going to get out of Isaac when he's on the floor. He knows that he'll have a point of attack defender. And that is something that JB can work with and actually produce defensive sets better than Levert, who can be a liability defensively. Now, with all that being said, you actually got a chance to see the preseason game where Isaac started at the three against Atlanta. So I'd love to hear more of what you potentially saw in person, since I live in Philly, (laughs) and you get more opportunity to, to see the team. And I'm assuming you and I kind of agree on this, but I'd just love to see kind of your eyeball test with with Isaac. I think I had quite a few thoughts about the team in general when I saw that game, but um, honing in on Isaac alone, I saw a player that relished the opportunity to take the three back and in the first quarter had, I think, 12 points. That's my memory. Um, I know it was quite a lot, especially for somebody like Okoro that is not really an assertive ball handler. He's not going to go after his shot as much. But I saw the team running plays purposely for him, and I saw guys like Garland and others looking for him to be open on certain shots that normally you just don't see that kind of consideration for Okoro, especially early on in the game. I liked that a lot. I think the fact that the last two preseason games have had him score 16 and 17 points, I think that they were starting to kind of show what JB had alluded to in the press conference before the preseason started, which was that we boxed this guy in too much last year, and it's time to unleash him. We're going to be thinking more about how to incorporate him into the offense. I think that you're only going to see him grow. I, I still think That he is a Kawhi Leonard-type talent. Mild-mannered in his demeanor and nothing but a team player, but actually quietly just wants to be the best and has the intangibles to play the 2-3 spot, which are some of the most dynamic positions in the league, especially with the way offenses have been running through those spots over the last 20 years. So, as usual, seeing him in person and seeing the way that he is getting more comfortable with taking his shot, especially shots from three that are not like in the wing where it's the easiest thing for him to take. He's taking them up at the top 
of the key. He's, he's taking harder threes with confidence and he's almost making them or making them. And that's his stroke is a lot more refined than what it was coming out of college. I'm excited. And I think that I agree with you. I think that Levert under certain circumstances, certain matchups, fine. Yeah. We'll see him out there in the starting five. I think you could see also Wade and others fill that role at times, but a curl overall, I think has put in the offensive work, the production to now be a strong consideration to be penciled back into the three. And what I saw against Atlanta was a team that was geared to give him those opportunities and he was taking them. Well, and you saw a game where the Cavs were using this actually as a litmus test in the sense of like starters, minutes, rotations, Mobley wasn't there, but Allen, Garland, and Mitchell were all playing on the floor with Okoro. So they really were trying to put Okoro in the best position to play against Atlanta. And they're playing against Young and Murray. They're playing against Atlanta starters. People really do not like Okoro offensively. They just rag on him for whatever reason. And he does have his issues. He had his issues last year. He had his issues against Atlanta last year in the play-in. And to me, him starting against Atlanta in this preseason game shows me that JB trusts that he was going to rebound, that he was going to bounce back from that performance and not let a poor performance in the play-in affect the rest of the season. That's what I enjoy about Isaac is there's this very famous show, this super uh, big show, Ted Lasso, where there's a line where he says, who's the happiest animal on the planet? A goldfish, because his memory is so bad. He has a very short memory. And that's how Isaac needs to treat last season. When you and I were talking on the phone, that was encouraging to me when you were saying, oh, no, he's shooting from the top of the key and whatnot. That tells me he's ready to take on the three. Karras can still play it, but Isaac, I think, will be the overall starter. He's also a first-round, fifth-overall selection in the 2020 draft. And that still means something. The Cavs have a large investment in him. And they've proven that they have every expectation that he's going to meet that investment, that it's going to work out in their favor. That's why they just gave him a contract extension. So I see a guy that's 21 years old going into his third year in this league, already has an entire season under his belt of guarding one of the hardest positions and seeing one of the, you know, some of the toughest players in the league across from him. And then having to go through the adversity in his sophomore year of being basically benched and not really in consideration for the future of that season of what are we going to do this year? I don't know, but that Okura was never really the answer. So I'm still excited about this young kid that only seems to have upside and just wants to be believed in, just wants the opportunity to succeed. And I think that now that they're actually going to give it to him, I think we're going to see him shine. People just need to be patient. I don't know why coming out of college, because he suffered shooting the ball, people think he's not capable of being good. It just goes to show that defense is just not valued anymore. 
if his defense also goes up a little bit more, his offensive production goes up, right? Their offense in general improves. If Isaac is a little bit more of a chaos agent than he traditionally is, if he's getting more steals, if he's getting more deflections, whatnot, then their offense gets better with him on the floor because then you're getting breakaways, you're getting free possessions. And I just don't see that happening with Karras. Karras will try to stay in front of his guy as much as possible, but he doesn't track players as well, and he's not a shutdown defender in any capacity. We know that Isaac has shut down players like Trey Young. The Cavs had two All-Stars last season and now have three with the addition of Mitchell. Do you think they could have four players chosen to the All-Star team this season? It's hard, I think, to consider that four could come out of one team. And we've often felt that we had all-stars that just didn't make it. Is it possible? Yes. It's possible to have five or six all-stars on this team. And that's what's so exciting about the Cavs coming into this year. They have so much talent and so many guys to look towards and say, it could be, it could be any one of these guys' nights, any given night. And if two or three of them do it consistently enough, like Jackson mentioned, like we've said before, we're going to be an easy 50-plus one team. So I think the answer for me is, yes, there will be a fourth all-star on this team, but they may not be recognized and sent to the all-star team, if that makes sense. It just may be too much to give to one team, and therefore we just can't send four guys. Eventually, the prospects of what the Cavs could be and the amount of talent that we currently have with this roster, it's certainly not out of the realm of, of sanity that you could see a team like this all end up on the all-star team together. Not the whole team, obviously, but the starting five even. Allen, Mobley, Okuro, Garland and Mitchell all five of those guys I believe will be going to all-star games in their career moving forward so why not together and that would be you know freakish but that's what's so amazing about what they've been able to assemble the potential of this squad is just immense it's beyond anything that we're really used to especially when comparing it to the LeBron led teams one through five they did not have all-star caliber players. LeBron made them into really good NBA players, but not all of them were all-star level. Allen, for sure, could have all-star numbers. He did this past season, but he only got in because two or three guys got hurt, and Adam Silver finally understood that he should be named an all-star because he was the second best center in the Eastern Conference. I think that Allen could perform at the same exact level as he did this last year for the rest of his career and could get one or two more all-star berths because nobody cares about the center position. All of what Allen does on the floor helps Evan so much, and people will definitely put more of a shine on Evan Mobley. I don't think Allen really cares about that. It's just them's the breaks, as they say. So I do agree that the talent level, the potential for the squad is just crazy. And I would hope that at least two players from the team get on the all-star actual roster. That should be indicative of how well the team is doing. I think one reason why Allen was finally selected is because the Cavs 
were doing so well. They were potentially, you know, going to be third in the Eastern Conference, and Allen deserved that recognition. So that is what I'm thinking is that they would at least get two players named to the All-Star team next year. The final seconds. Who will have more blocks this season, Allen or Mobley? I think that Mobley will have more blocks only because I think he's going to be put on the wing a few times. I think defensively he will have to guard more players in different kind of variations. So I think that he has the chance to actually have more blocks because more shots will be put up against him because of how the defense is going to be run. That's that's what I'm hedging at. Well, what a thrill to have both of these players on one team and our team. The fact that Allen averages 1.6 blocks a game and Mobley averages 1.7. I just know that uh, one of them, if not both of them, are going to be at the top of the league for blocks. So one of them is going to beat out the other, but not by much. And they're going to be the block brothers of this league. Allen is a pretty selfless player. He'll go out there and score 25 if the team needs him to, but there's plenty of nights he'll score less than 10. He really is a game manager and a person that really just tries to help people get where they need to be on the court. And if that means that Mobley gets to be the beneficiary of that rotation and that solid team play, and he gets the block over Allen, he's not going to care. And not that Mobley does care more than Allen, but Allen is the veteran and Allen is the one who feels it's his responsibility to set guys up more than it is for him to set himself up. So I agree with you. I think Mobley will have more blocks. What player on the Cavs will be the leading scorer for this season? I think if things go as planned, it should be Donovan Mitchell. Because he's a high-energy scorer, high-efficiency scorer coming in, and that's why you got him. You want him to have 35, 45, 50-point games throughout the year. And that's just going to add up pretty quickly. Now, I think Garland and he are going to have a lot of fun battling it out and seeing which one can top the other some nights. A lot of the time in the NBA, we've seen those battles between one team and the other there's you know famously lebron and wade i actually look forward to garland and mitchell battling each other out there and seeing if they can one-up each other throughout the season so you could see garland neck and neck with them in points and i think a close second or third would be mobley but the way that this team is going to run through the smaller guards for the foreseeable future I, I just don't think that they're thinking offensive production for Mobley just yet. So I think it's Mitchell this year. Yeah, I think if the season is going well, Donovan is the leading scorer. I think if there are injury bugs or people aren't meshing well, then Darius will be the leading scorer because something not cool will have happened, potentially. I agree with you. There are some nights where Darius and Donovan are going to be pulling the trigger from spots on the floor just to showboat, and that could be a lot of fun and might 
have some fun competition in the locker room just to see who could maybe hit more threes this season. I could definitely see them trying to do that all year. When it is all said and done, who will have more minutes this season, Stevens, Osmond, or Wade? My initial guess would be Wade, just because it seems like the team favors him to play the three and the four more often, where... Jetty really is stuck at the three, maybe the two at times. And Stevens, as of right now, it seems like Stevens is essentially like the 11th man, maybe the 10th some nights. But he's really at the end of the bench, unfortunately, right now. And my guess would be at the end of the season, if all three are healthy, rotations are relatively normal, the Dean Wade will probably have the most minutes out of these three. Yeah, well said. I think that um, they've already talked about Dean Wade wanting to have some starting minutes this season, that he'd be playing the three position. We know he plays the four, sometimes has to play the five, depending on injuries. So just because of how serviceable he is and how easy it is to pencil him in on in certain matchups, we know that Osmond is a person that gets streaky, and so certainly when he's on fire, you're going to see him a lot. But when he gets cold, then he's going to go back to a disappearing act uh, like we've seen in the last two seasons. And then, of course, with Stevens, like you mentioned, he is a fan favorite on this podcast, but he doesn't seem to be ingratiating himself any further with the coaching staff. He's not moving up the depth chart. And even though last year I think he had a couple of impressive offensive games, and he's always been impressive defensively, and we know what he gives the team energy-wise and how he kind of gives them the attitude that, that they need. I think, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's got to be Wade for at least the way the makeup is coming into the year. We are a couple of days away before the season gets underway. What are you most pumped about? I know I said it in a couple of episodes before that my biggest expectation this season is really just to get this underway, that... I'm so excited that the Cavaliers are finally a part of the national conversation. We've seen this organization, whether it's Kobe Altman or JB and his staff, the players they've been able to draft, we've seen them all work extremely hard for the acknowledgement, the recognition that they're building something special here. And two seasons ago, or three seasons ago, it was still a little bit more up in the air. And then, of course, when Allen came, it started to solidify things more. And I think the Cavs knew that, okay, we have a piece now that means that we really have to start taking what we've been building seriously. It's not that we care deeply about being talked about all the time, but a huge issue that I've always had with the NBA is that you know the Celtics and the Lakers were the best for a really long time. And they're still kind of they still kind of suck out a lot of the oxygen from most basketball conversations. If it's not them, then it's maybe the Bulls or it's maybe what the Spurs have done or Miami's been able to do with Riley. There's just certain narratives that kind of always come up, but never the Cavaliers. Even though we had one of the greatest players in the game, they talked about us simply because they were talking about him. At the end of the day, I'm just excited that we've built a team up with stand-up guys that all love to play together, that all love the game, and are excited to see where we can go. The fact that in such a short period of time, we've been able to build what we've been able to build here, now it's just time to see it in action. So that's what I'm the most excited about. 
if I was going to be pinned down to, to be super specific, I would say I'm most excited about everything that I've been hearing about with Evan Mobley. Not just, oh, he's going to probably take a leap defensively, but also his offensive game, he's clearly bigger. He's going to be more bullish. He's just going to be more comfortable. And you and I, so many times last year, I think we could have had just like, a montage of every time we were just like, this guy's a rookie and he looks like he's performing as a four or five year veteran. I'm just hopeful that his offensive game has taken a leap that we can't even fathom because it was already further along than we thought it would be last year. And so I'm super pumped to see what he looks like on the floor, just crushing teams. That's what I'm excited about. So that would be like my more specific take. But your overall, the mantra, the attitude, the chemistry this team exudes is palpable. And I don't even live in Ohio. So it should be an amazing year. Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast. Let's go Cavs.